Defender. Where we talk about old stuff, new stuff, pop culture, because we're basic. And uh, welcome back for season two. I hit record. I also hit Did record. Did you also hit record? Yep. Very good. Okay. Uh, welcome back for the first time in a long the time. Apocalypse. That's a song. Yeah, in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and for the first time during the apocalypse. It's been a bit. Yeah, I think the apocalypse threw us off a, a, a bit. Yeah, the apocalypse and also, like, laziness in general. Laziness is a problem, yeah. <laughs> laziness, yeah. That's uh, that's usually, just generally speaking, kind of my kryptonite. Yeah, I, um, I actually recorded a podcast episode with someone else in your absence. Oh my god. Wait, did you really? I did, yeah. Did it go up? Um... No, because I was going to post it, and then something about my computer was glitching, so then I didn't, and then I forgot, because I was also being lazy. So it's not up yet, um, but we did make plans for our next one, so I was thinking maybe that I would put it up once we had a backlog of a couple. Um, Mm -hmm. Just... Who who did you record with? Because I, I talked to Cheyenne and she was saying she was down to record too. So oh. we'll probably do one with her. We I mean we should definitely do Same. one with her. Uh, we could do one with you and her, or one with um, not you in it. I I, I have to be involved. I, well, obviously you have to be there because you're the, you're the reason people show up. I'm just kind of the ideas guy, but you're the you're like you know. Yeah, I'm the main Leonardo. star power I'm here since everyone knows who yeah. I am. You're Mario, I'm Yoshi. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to at least say Luigi. No. Waluigi? No, <laughs> if I was lucky, then I could be as sexy and virile as Waluigi, but I'm just not. <laughs> I'm more of a Yoshi kind of kid. Honestly, I'm more of a Toad kind of guy. <laughs> um, but that's just because I have a very shrill voice. And um, am short and made of mushrooms. Yeah, which is, I hope everyone listening knows that actually we tone his voice down because its squeakiness would be too annoying. Um, oh my God, do you want to hear, here, let's, here, let's turn off the filter. Caroline, can you turn off the filter real quick? Yeah, okay. Click, click. <laughs> it's me, Toad. I mean, Nick. I'm turning that filter back on. I don't want to hear any more of that. Oh, 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 hey, I can hear my voice and it's clear again. (laughs) It doesn't sound quite as shrill or aggressive. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Wow. Visual gags are just. Auditory gags. That's what we're doing here. Auditory gags. Yeah. Um, Um, so, so real quick, just like before we get into the meat of things, how's your, how's your quarantine been we should address the the uh, the apocalypse in the room with us um it's been interesting you know i had just graduated from college and i was getting ready to do job applications and move out of my parents house and 
mm-hmm. do all this sort of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. now I guess I'm still on track to do that. I'm just more worried about the outcome. Yeah, now I'm just more worried about whether or not Corona is going to evolve into a sweet zombie disease. Um, I mean, hopefully. If it stopped You've being airborne too, right? and started being only bite-borne, I think we'd actually be in good shape. That would be an advantage. Maybe to you. But there are many biters in my family yeah. and in my friend circle. Uh, I um, think I would be in... I think I would survive the zombie apocalypse pretty well. What I would do is I would have a bike. Um, just <laughs> You would just bike I, past them? I would bike past them, and I would wear a hoodie... And I would do this thing I saw on the internet one time where you cover your entire hoodie in duct tape. And I would just be so impossible to kill. So that the zombies stick to you when the zombies try to, like, bite you. They stick to you so you actually can't get rid of them. And you're self-sabotaging so you die. No, the, it would be the plan. sticky side on this the inside. This would just create a lot of resistance. It'd be hard to oh, bite through. So, it would be like so, making a wallet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of duct tape, except instead of making something to keep your money in, you're making something to keep your uh, your body, your woman flesh, your body flesh in. I don't like the word woman flesh. That yeah, that was that was an interesting choice on your part. I mean, just look. Um, it makes sense because you're a woman and you're made of flesh. It- I asked a question at dinner tonight about. Uh, to I'm living with my sister and her husband and uh, Cheyenne, my girlfriend. We're all living at my sister's house. And cat. Um, a cat. Yeah, there's also a cat and a dog. Mm-hmm. The cat's name is Honey Cat. He frequently tries to nurse on me. Um, and the dog's name is Minnie, and she's really sweet, but also, like, very sad looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, at dinner, back to the real, like, what I was trying to say, uh... At dinner, I asked whether, you know, we would be, we would rather be made of feathers or peas or flesh. And my sister said flesh and I said feathers and Cheyenne said she was left with peas. (laughs) So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to answer that question. Okay, so not that I had feathers on my body, just that I was made entirely of feathers. You're... Skin is skin, but inside of that, instead of woman flesh again, there is feathers. Okay, so I'm a couch cushion of you're a person. A, yes, you're a pillow. You're a pillow. Yeah. Okay, a really pillow nice. People. Is it? Are they down feathers or? Um, I think they're goose. Okay, so pretty they're nice goose feathers. A bit yes. of a pillow, a duvet, if you yeah. will. Um, I will. Or peas would be the same way, so I'm, I would just be a pillow of peas. But I feel like peas would be heavier. Are they frozen know? peas, or are they dried peas? They're mashed peas. Mashed peas. Which is how peas. I originally had envisioned, was mashed peas. Oh, well, I don't so want to like be mashed peas. What? Okay, does your opinion change if it's just whole peas, if you're just full of peas? Because then if they were, like, dried peas, I'd be like, um... Kind of like one of those, crispy. you know, I'd be like a cornhole bag or something. Yeah. Like Which when is I, kind of a fun 
state of being. Yeah, if I fell on a piece of wood, it would make a, a good, solid smack sound. Yeah, like a yeah like a one of those. Um, <laughs> hmm. Or I could continue to be as I am. Skin, flesh skin over um, meat. Uh, yeah, mm. skin over uh, chicken thigh meat. That's actually what I am. I'm just <laughs> a horrible <laughs> Frankenstein creation. Definitely, I, when I was younger, I absolutely thought that all meat was just like the... It was all one meat, mm-hmm. and it was just like, I don't know, dyed different colors, dyed darker, or cooked different. Yeah. You know, I I never thought that. Did you think about it, though? Or was it just that you... Did you think that it wasn't that way? Or did you just... Was there a lack of thoughtfulness? Um, I think my awareness of seafood kind of carried over to other meats. You know, I was never, like... My family doesn't hunt deer and butcher them or, like, butcher yeah, cows venison. or anything. But we that have... Good, good venison shit. Um you know, caught a fish or a crab and then cooked them. Like, I I grew up taking live crabs, oiling them taking alive, lives. and then oh, wow. ripping their carcasses open to get the meat mm. on the inside. Making me hungry. So I think I've always been familiar with the fact that it is like um, an animal, and then you kill them, and then you eat their... <laughs> I think I was a little discur- disturbed to think about it as muscles when you, as muscles are in your body. Yeah, it's kind of metal when you talk about it like, as a child, I was always aware that it was animal and that I was taking life as the predator. I was not the prey. Right? You sound, that's metal as fuck. I, I am pretty metal. Um, we had yeah. a weird thing in school. I don't know if you guys did this, but we watched The Voyage of the Mimi. Which is a, I think it was an educational thing on um, sea ecology. It was like a drama about people who were studying whales. So you learn about whales as they study. Is it just a documentary? No, because Ben Affleck is in it as a child. Like, there's an actor to play young Ben Affleck, or Ben Affleck is just... He is the kid acting. Wow, so it's an old-ass movie. Yes. It's like a mini-series. We had it on a VHS tape. Um, It had a great song. It was... (laughs) Uh, I loved it. Can you sing the song? Do you remember the song? No, I mean, I don't think it was lyrics. It was just the tune, and I, I've never remembered a tune in my life. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look it up, though. Um, Voyage of the Mimi. <laughs> Voyage of the Mimi. Voyage of the Mimi theme song. Hmm. Here it comes. Hmm. Play it. Is it playing? No, I can't hear anything. No, I can't hear it either. What if you thought it was music, <laughs> but it's just silence and it lets Maybe you... Maybe wow, it was like profound. taken down? It's just, no, it's just the music inside of your own brain. This is Caroline. Okay, ladies. but they this do is, have Ben Affleck looks back at his child acting days on Voyage of the Mimi. 
Wait, there's no sound. I don't know what I did to my phone. Caroline, but you've no imagined f- all of this. I'm no, not even here right now. No sound is coming out of my phone. <laughs> but here's a video of Ben Affleck talking on The Tonight Show about it. Anyways, well, main point was for one episode, it. they got shipwrecked, and they needed to live on this small island. And That's the fun. boy, Ben Affleck, I don't remember his character's name. <laughs> ben Affleck. I just called him the boy. Um, yes. He set up a snare and caught a um, rabbit. And hmm. it was like, so what it is, is it's like there's a captain, and then he has like a crew member and this it's this That's usually how boats work. Yeah, it's this deaf lady and oh. then it's like and the actress was really deaf. Um huh. Each episode to intr- increase its educational property had like a behind mm-hmm. the scenes thing which was like about as mm-hmm. long as the actual episode. And so mm-hmm. they explained how she was deaf and what sign language is into that um that's actually very cool yeah it was like, it was pretty interesting um but then they had also they some that, like though that's gotta be it's gotta be a strange cast thing you know we're looking for a deaf person to play a deaf person honestly like, i was yeah. looking at things where you could be an extra because i was like oh it'd be cool to be an extra in a movie and you're like, oh, I'll be in a movie. I saw a call for half Asian babies. Ooh, into that. <laughs> Which just seemed very disturbing to put a post on the like internet. I feel like I could pass. Needed could half Asian that. babies. Well, you got to be careful when you're looking up, like, to be a film extra. Because mm-hmm. there could definitely be, like, some, like, horrible, like kidnapping slavery thing for like very specific kinks yeah and that's how they do like the acting that's what it's disguised as i think this was a legit site though it i believe it was for a cw show um how can you ever be certain (laughs) uh you can't actually so you should never go to anything you ever see posted online stay inside guys Social distancing. Let's all not go to acting calls. I know. Whenever I'm watching a a cop show and they're like, this person Mm -hmm. disappeared because they got a job opportunity on a farm. I'm like, oh, it's just somebody going out and killing people. (laughs) Someone was murdered. That that always happens where they there's always like some crazy person who's like, I just like to kill young, vulnerable men. And they just <laughs> offer them jobs and then kill them in the woods. I like to kill young, vulnerable, half-Asian men. <laughs> Sign up to be in my film. It's called A, a Night to Be Murdered by Me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, you know, acting calls now. Yeah. I, um, I would find that suspicious. You would think, right? But, I mean... Who knows? Look, people people get into sketchy things. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline, yes. you were talking to me br- for a moment before we started the, the recording mm-hmm. about Natalie Portman. Yes. Who is an important figure in my life. And we're talking about... In, in, in my life we- as well. Um, yeah. She's yeah. like a mother in to me. In everyone's life. 
<laughs> she is my mother also. <laughs> so, you know, uh, back off a little bit. Um, you were just saying that, cause we, we agreed that what we're going to do for a little bit, like one fun thing we could do, at least we're going to try it this episode is look up some stuff from old ass news articles to be nostalgic about because current news kind of sucks. So let's just look at old stuff to get, you know, our minds off it. Yeah. And also the people, the beautiful listeners minds off it. Mm-hmm. Uh, offer that sweet entertainment value. So you found something about Natalie Portman from 1997. Yes. And she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say, I wanted to guess before you told me. So yeah, you guess told me what? So I was looking up the day I was born, which is mm-hmm. in June, but I won't give the specific day <laughs> um, so that my identity can't be stolen. So 1997, yeah. it is yes. a E- exclamation point article about um, Natalie Portman, who was 16 years old at the time, and they, My... they were announcing something about her. Yeah, she's going to be Princess Leia. Or not Leia. She's going to be Queen Amidala in upcoming The Phantom Menace for the Star Wars, uh, and it's begun filming. Is, that is my guess. Actually, super close, but you were right earlier. The E! News says that the 16-year... So what actually the announcement is that she's going to be in a Broadway revival of The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, very close to the Phantom Menace <laughs> Star Wars movie. But... The Star Wars prequel, <laughs> The Diary of Anne Frank. You can't... That's like saying, oh, you were so close when you answered... That you wait. Let Caroline, me finish. That is not a close answer. You can't just be <laughs> no. It says she was doing that, but she's making sure that movies don't interfere with that plan. The sixteen-year-old even got George Lucas to agree to shoot around her schedule for his upcoming Star Wars prequel. The New York mm. Times says Portman is set to play. The young Princess Leia. She's not Princess Leia. No, but that's what E! News reported. E! News was wrong in 1997. I think because they knew there was going to be a prequel. And maybe she said that she was going to play a queen. And so they assumed that she was, or or a prince, she said she was going to play a princess. And they wow. thought that meant that she was going to play Princess Leia in a pre- traditional prequel. Caroline, imagine for a second that you're living in a pre-prequel world. Mm-hmm. Like, before the prequels are released. Yeah. Is it a better world or a worse world? Um, so, th- it's 1997. And assuming I'm as old as I am, then I was born in, um, 77, 77, which is the year, the first movie. No, you were born in 75. You were born in 75. Okay. Good. Neither of us can do math. Um, yeah. Cause you're 20 something. Yeah. So then Um, I would have been, I according to the internet, I'm 22 and nine months old. Um, mm-hmm. so 
Uh, that would mean I was born just slightly before the first Star Wars movie came out, but I was pretty yeah, young. But you probably watched them growing up. Yeah, I and probably you were there would for the have. Last and that, I was out. about to say that I would have been too young to have seen them, but actually, I would have been a good age for at least the third movie. And I probably and Empire Strikes Back would have rocked your fucking world, right? Yeah, that would yeah. be like. Um, recently I was watching Survivor with my dad and, um, I used to watch it all the time when I was growing up. Apparently it's like mm-hmm. 40 seasons in cause for a while they did yeah. two seasons a year. And yeah. so then I realized that the first, um, season had, I thought I'd watched the first season, but the first season mm. came out in 2000 when I was three years old. So maybe I watched it, but I don't think I remember it. Yeah, you weren't watching it while it was airing. Yeah, so I think the seasons I was watching was like the fifth or the sixth season. Yeah, yeah. So I think it would probably be Survivor, for me, would be, Mm -hmm. if past me, theoretical me, would be for uh, Star Wars. So I guess I would probably be pretty amped for the idea of a new movie coming out now that I'm this age and I can come see it in the theaters and I can be there like opening night. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think like, did people know about prequels? Like, was that a thing? I mean, they must have been like, because it sounds like an old timey literature thing. Like, oh, we wrote the backstory to something. That's the prequel is the backstory. That happened know? a lot in Narnia. Yeah. yeah, and Narnia is like fucking old. I mean, E News, this article, I mean, this is on the, the modern eonline.com, yeah. so I don't know how they edited it, but they mm-hmm. used the word prequel fairly naturally, so. The, it was a word before that. We can't just assume that Hayden Christensen from Star Wars, the prequels, invented the word prequel. Uh, it must have been mostly a book thing though because star wars was like one of the biggest franchises yes and i mean even today we call you don't say the prequels to say like you know the one before new moon twilight the prequel to new moon no it's definitely when you come back and do one that takes place before but i'm trying to think of any other movies that i mean sure there have been yeah but I mean, it seems actually like a very unmarketable idea from a movie. I mean, there's the squeakquel in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Okay, that was post Star Wars prequels. Yeah, and that was actually a sequel, not a prequel. Yeah, the squeakquel actually feels kind of like a ripoff because I remember they were advertising it as like there have been prequels and sequels, but there have never been squeakquels. But it, and now we have them. It was just no, a regular sequel. It's just a sequel. Yeah. I'm literally Wikipediaing the word prequel. <laughs> wow. Okay. So there's been things you might describe as prequels in the past. Mm-hmm. Like even to the mm-hmm. Iliad, people have gone back and wrote like, what happened before the Iliad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like, I mean, if you think about Lord of the Rings, like, Lord of the Rings came out, but before that, like, the prequel to that is the Salmarillion. Yeah. So. Okay, so what it is is the word appeared 
first in print in 1958. Oh, wow. So it is, like, relatively recent. Yeah, it was talking about science fiction, which I think is a genre that seems to lend itself a lot to that. There's a story Hmm. by James Blish, which expanded on his earlier story. Okay. um, Okay, so what it is, the first big prequel was Butch and Sundance, The Early Days. Wow. Which came out in 1979. Wow. But the term was not popularized until the Star Wars prequel trilogy, 1999 to 2005. So it existed. It was popularized. Yeah. Is what we will say. So, yeah, I guess there have been movies, like, you know, other things. I guess, theoretically, the Planet of the Apes series. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you're getting with any, like, time-skippy, loopy shit, like, you're probably going to run into stuff. Um... So, there we go. I, I don't know. I was just startled by the idea that... That's a thing. I guess it's mostly like stuff like young Sherlock Holmes or <laughs> young Sheldon. Yeah. Cooper. Like that sort of thing. Big Bang so it theory. makes sense, I guess, that they might have assumed that it was young Princess Leia. Yeah. I, you know, I got to be honest. Now I'm thinking about it. And instead of the prequels referring to Star Wars, maybe they should refer to like young Sheldon. <laughs> Big Bang Theory is really popular. So what if we just called that the prequel? <laughs> prequel memes, but it's just young Sheldon memes. It's just him saying bazinga. <laughs> and everyone laughs because it's like a really funny catchphrase. Okay, but I've seen part of an episode of young Sheldon. And it seems it's very odd because it is very different from the Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah, it it looks um, it looks sentimental. It's like a single camera thing, and it's like sentimental. I'm pretty sure in the original show, his family is supposed to suck, and they're just like a joke that they're poor Southern people. But then yeah. the show Young Sheldon is like about how they're nice and they really mean well and they want to support Sheldon. So what was a throwaway gag actually turns into uh, shitting on people who actually have a fleshed out backstory now. Yeah. Because you realize that when you use people as a throwaway gag, you're not giving them a whole... Yeah, I think, uh, like, it is particularly, like, made fun of his sister. Like, she's hot. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, Sheldon's sister is hot. But like I, oh, I want to fuck Sheldon. <laughs> want to fuck girl Sheldon. The but like she's not smart like him. And but then mm-hmm. the show, like I was watching Young Sheldon for two seconds, and it was like about how she felt like her parents paid more attention to him and gave him whatever he wanted, and that she felt left out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have, as one who has not really ever watched The Big Bang Theory. Um, but I have seen clips because my dad will watch it late at night and be like, man, I love, I love Big Bang Theory. I love these nerds. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. My dad used to just be like, I hate Big Bang Theory because he's just like an old dude who's 
kind of jaded mm-hmm. and like fears judgment. So he'll be like, yeah, I hate that lame stuff, but he really loves Big Bang Theory so much. <laughs> I feel like it fits old people more than anyone. Yeah, they're like, look at the, they don't know sports. Whoa, there was a Star Wars reference. <laughs> you know what? Bazinga. The most annoying thing is. The Bazinga? Um, Bazinga annoys the piss out of me. No, it's when they set up this character as, like, a nerd. And also that immediately means they're also really smart. Like, they can't just be into nerdy things, but they're also super smart. But then the nerdy references they make are, like, to the most broad. Like, they're just like, Star Wars exists. They're like, I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Whoa, did you like Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I have heard of those things, but it doesn't. I'm like, whoa. Like, you don't need any kind of in depth knowledge to understand what they're saying. Yeah, I wish there was a real show for real nerds <laughs> who, was, who were, oh God, I feel like I'm being someone who the show writers of Big Bang Theory would pander to. Um, <laughs> a show for real was, nerds, like me. A show for real nerds who could tell me all about the lore of Nickel Bolas and Magic the Gathering. <laughs> tell me about Liliana Bess. <laughs> yes, he's the Elder Dragon in Magic the Gathering. Oh my god. You want to talk about real nerds who aren't actually super smart and like physicists? You're you're hearing him and looking at him. The only dragon I know and respect is Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's not even. Oh God, you don't even know about Slifer. That's another Yu-Gi-Oh card. No, Kaiba didn't yell that one ten thousand times, so I don't remember yeah, it really. But I bet you remember the antithesis to the Blue Eyes White Dragon. Is it? I don't know. It's Red Eyes Black Dragon. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I was about to be like, Um, Blue Dragon White Eyes? (laughs) Blue Eyes White Family. (laughs) Um, No. Uh, Anywho, I kind of, I kind of, I have a thing that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, talk about your thing. Yeah, so the one that I found, because I... So I turned to Cheyenne, and I was like, hey, Cheyenne, name a random day and year in the past, uh, like, 50 years, and I will see if I can find it. And first she named sometime in 1989, and I couldn't find anything on it. Mm. But then she said, uh, then she said October 26th, 2000, or October 6th, 2003. Mm-hmm. And I just looked up. Uh, Entertainment News, October 6th, 2003. And I found something on the New York Post website. And it was just like a bunch of articles. And this one caught my eye. It was Trouble in Paradise. Tiger Man Thought His Home Zoo Was Garden of Eden by Larry Salona. Um, Caroline, just based off of the title, can you give me a guess on what this beautiful article is about? I'm going to say it was so nice to write. I'm okay. I'm going to say something went wrong with a tiger. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fatal attraction moment, not the movie (laughs) from whenever, but the 
Animal Planet TV show, which was solely about people getting killed by their exotic animals. That sounds like an interesting show. Definitely something I would read about um, or watch. But you are close. Um, can I read you this article, or at least part of it? Yeah, and go feel ahead. free to interject whenever you think something is too wild to let go. Okay. Um, the Harlem man who was mauled by his four hundred pound tiger when he brought home a kitten said yesterday he dreamed of creating his very own Garden of Eden. What a fucking hook! <laughs> I am like locked in. Yes. Just by that first sentence. Um, Antoine Yates, 37, was in police custody in in a Philadelphia hospital last night, recovering from the attack by his larger feline friend. He's facing an extradition hearing today to return him to New York, where he will face charges of reckless endangerment and possible animal cruelty after cops found Ming, a 20-month-year-old, or a 20-month-old Siberian Bengal mix tiger in his apartment. Um, so there's a man, Antoine Yates, who has a tiger who attacked him mm-hmm. in, in his apartment. That's what I expected. There was a mauling. Yeah. <laughs> there was a mauling. Um, Yates said, I am trying to create a Garden of Eden, something this world lacks. Yates, who also kept a three-foot caiman, an alligator-like reptile named Al in his apartment, said he had applied to the Bronx Zoo for a job, but then decided to create his own private animal paradise called Paws and Claws. So... In his apartment. Yeah, so the article doesn't state whether or not he got the job to the zoo, but I'm assuming he didn't. I'm going to say he probably didn't get the job, so he said, screw them, I'm going to make my own zoo. Not that they accepted him, and then he decided, oh, I think it'll be better if I don't. He was probably rejected for being a weirdo. Yeah, I feel like this wasn't a case of, like, you know, it works better for my aspirations to actually just keep a tiger in my apartment. He probably wanted it to sound that way. Yeah, which is how it comes off. And I just want to say, Larry Saloni, you are doing this man a favor by writing it that way. (laughs) Instead Um, of writing in parentheses, I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really could have written a load of a load of uh, horse shit or at least like. Maybe what, if, a what if news articles were written that way? <laughs> Just like completely opinionated, but like blatantly opinionated. Yeah, like they told, they wrote it in the regular non-opinionated way, and then they just mm-hmm. put in little interjections. <laughs> <laughs> in like parentheses that's how i think of parentheses though like when i'm writing a thing mm-hmm. i think like you know like in my parentheses i've like when i when i'm writing something i feel like i'm whispering it to my reader i'm like also like secret side note that this is just between you and me bud you the one reading this yeah it's all about you it's yeah, I, like you if know? you put it in a sentence then it's like something where Theoretically, you could read the sentence with or without the parentheses. Yeah. Um, But you always read the parentheses, obviously. Yeah, it's like parentheses are sort of like a parallel plane of existence. Yeah. For words or thoughts. They're very interesting (laughs) grammatically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I am not done yet with this article. Yes, I'm, I'm continue. Gonna, I'm going to keep trucking. Before we get bit. on a parentheses tangent. Yes. Meanwhile, Yates' live-in lover, Carolyn Domingo, 49, said he also has an Me. upstate abode where he keeps other creatures like camel, oxen, and zebras. Although she said she didn't know where it was. <laughs> so, you know, she might know where it was. I think she knows where it is. I think she definitely, I think uh, Carolyn Domingo, 49, knows exactly where this place is and has been. There's no way he was just like, unless he was just being braggadocious and was like, yeah, this tiger, this caiman, this ain't even it. I got a zebra. I got an ox. Upstate, baby. He brought her there, but she was blindfolded, so she couldn't know the secret location. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neighbors in Yates Housing Complex on Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard, what a street name, by the way, said he had kept other animals there over the years. He's had hyenas, monkeys, and snakes. He was a big reptile fan, said Wanda Tompkins, 26. Well, so they all um, knew. <laughs> yeah, this is like no one wanted to snitch because it was kind of like he maybe he did have like a cool petting zoo situation going on that people were kind of into. I'd be you know? scared of a hyena. I don't want to go pet one of them. Yeah, but not a tiger. I'd pet a tiger and be mauled. <laughs> Um, Yates said his big pet attacked when he tried to stop him from charging a little black kitten which he had brought home. He tore my leg down to the bone, and I was like, Ming, no, no. After that, I told him to go into the bathroom, said Yates. Um, Cops Saturday scaled down the building walls and fired a tranquilizer dart into the apartment's window to hit the tiger. While his owner is in custody, Ming is being or is beginning a new life of relative freedom at the Noah's Ark Sanctuary in Ohio. He's being kept in a cage there temporarily because handlers say he's agitated. They came and went to a sanctuary in Indiana. Um, that's my fun article that I found. Well, what I learned from the Tiger King on Netflix. A Haven't plug, I'm it. being Heard sponsored. It. Heard it was very depressing. It does seem, it's a little depressing. I'm not Maybe sure it's if it's Maybe something I... it's I'm... just because it's a story of human frailty. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. At this point, I don't, I'm not sure how much amusement I actually get out of people who are misguided and crazy. Um, yeah, kind of makes me feel bad. <laughs> but it had an interesting point about how there are more tigers in, like, private ownership in the u.s than there are anywhere else in the world Hmm. so including in the wild there's like because they're breeding them and oh shit yeah so like wow i so that took me a second to kind of wrap my head around you said more where in the u.s that's crazy yeah like within just the boundary of the united states that's crazy. Yeah, um, it was it was crazy. And a lot of like and the documentary guy who made it, he found out he decided to do it about these tiger people because he was mm-hmm. in he was like with this reptile dealer, like this guy who was selling snakes and mm-hmm. this 
guy, like, in Florida, and this guy came in and bought, like, a boa constrictor. Of course, this was, like, semi-illegal snake dealing. And he goes, oh, and by the way, I have a leopard in my (laughs) van. Also, come, come to the back room and check out my sweet hog. Like, he just went and opened... His van door, he'd left the van mm-hmm. with, like, the windows in the front rolled down, but it's, like, a panel van, no air conditioning on, and in a dog crate is this leopard. That's, that's, uh, I don't like this. No. And then he was like, yeah, I just, like, bought it today. <laughs> went to the, went to Target, got a great deal on this guy, was on sale, actually. Yeah. Wow. Um, I wish I could buy a leopard. No, I don't. That sounds awful. It the would thing me. is, it's actually remarkably easy. This guy was saying that you could get a tiger for $2,000. Mm-hmm. Which some some purebred dogs are that much money. You could... So what you're telling me is... I... A white American college student Mm -hmm. if i liquid if i liquefied my assets could instead of paying off student loans invest in just buying a tiger yes i mean like it's it's expensive but like it's It's not it's like you could buy a wave runner tm for that much money (laughs) Uh, thank you for the trademark there (laughs) a wave runner tm or, like, a car. I know plenty of friends who, like, you know, they spend a lot of money each month on, uh, you know, bills, like, for car insurance. And, they're, and like, they have a car loan payment that they have to do. Like, $2,000 is a lot. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pretend like it's not by any stretch of the imagination. But it's not, like, $20,000. I kind of thought a tiger no. would be, like, $20,000. Yeah. But I it- would, you would think, like... Yeah, you would think it would be like at least a fifth of. Yeah, when they're like, oh, these millionaires have it. You don't need to be a millionaire to buy a tiger. You can just be a fucking broke ass kid with a tiger. Yeah, if you do. I mean, one thing is they're very expensive to feed. Yeah. You would, yeah. Yeah, like this show, they were saying they were like taking expired meats from the grocery store and like picking up roadkill from the side of the road to try to feed these tigers because they just eat so much meat and they don't have any money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they spent it all on buying a tiger for two grand. Well, they had like 80 tigers. Maybe tiger salesmen are just really smart and they're like, yeah, two grand buy this tiger and then the tiger will not be fed enough and they know that Mm -hmm. so then the tiger will eat the person and then the tiger salesman can just come collect the tiger (laughs) that's what i bet what they do they just oh he's dead and they come and get it and then they can resell the tiger yeah they also like one of the guys was like yeah i did get six tigers that did eat a guy and that's how i acquired them because they had (sighs) eaten their owner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, when I was saying it was a joke, but then you said that it happened and it made my tummy not feel happy. No, it's very upsetting. I think people Ooh. should stop 
having wild animals who will eat you as a pet. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. New PSA. Um, nostalgia factor PSA of the week. <laughs> yeah. Of quarantine. Don't. In your free time to, like, get a walk, do not attempt to buy a tiger salesman from that exciting, like, eccentric, potentially metrosexual man like in in the alleyway who's offering you a tiger he like opens his trench coat and there's all these (laughs) these little baby tigers tied in yeah and he's like which would you like a siberian (laughs) oh i remember it wasn't just a leopard it was a snow leopard the guy had in his van Ooh, that makes it better in the florida heat (laughs) yeah that makes it Oh, jeez. Wow. Um, These poor creatures. Yeah, I know. He was like, looks like acclimated to Florida. (laughs) Dude, human beings who live in Florida aren't acclimated (laughs) to Florida. That's why they live with air conditioning. (laughs) That's why they have a pool. Um, Have you ever seen this, like, driving past houses and they'll have, like, a screened-in pool, like... Mm-hmm. All the way around is a hard built-in like mosquito screen around their whole backyard. Yeah, because not a single human, not a single creature on the face of the earth, aside from alligators and things that live underwater, and then like bugs. Mm-hmm. Those are the only things like acclimated to Florida. Yeah. You can exit your air-conditioned house to go in the pool, but only if there are no bugs. <laughs> Only if there are no bugs, and also only if you get into that pool within the next, like, 25 minutes. (laughs) Otherwise, you're just, you're gonna vaporize into a little fucking stain on the ground. You'll just be steamed, like... Yeah, yeah, it'll turn very wrinkly and dry. (laughs) Um, Caroline, we are coming up on 45 minutes, but I wanted to review real quick... Just as a closing, maybe, um, we could look at some movies. We could do our movie review segment, but just kind of a different facet, maybe. Uh, I wanted to look at Ants and A Bug's Life. And I wanted to look at some reviews from when they came out from the same person. I am on RogerEbert.com. Okay. And this was when Roger Ebert was alive. So they were from Roger Ebert himself. Yes. Because now RogerEbert.com has a bunch of other people who are not Roger Ebert writing on it. Yeah, this was November 25th for the Bugs Life one. And uh, October 2nd, 1998 for the uh, Ants one. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to look at uh, these just real quick. I haven't read through these, so I don't even know if they'll be interesting. But maybe we can find something in here. Feel free to comment. Uh, I'm going to read through the Ants movie first. Because it came out before A Bug's Life. Okay? Okay. All right. Ants rejoices in the fact that a cartoon can show us anything. It's so free. It turns visual cartwheels. It enters into a microscopic world, an ant colony beneath Central Park, and makes it into a world so vast and threatening that comparisons with Star Wars are not unjustified. (laughs) 
It's sharp and funny, not a children's movie, but one of those hybrids that work on different levels for different ages. The kids will enjoy it when the hero gets his girl stuck in some gum on the bottom of a running shoe. Older viewers will understand the hero's complaint that it's not easy when you're the middle child of a family in five million. Um, That's a very complimentary movie. review. Um, yeah. I was surprised. It, it's, yeah. Um, seems kind of just like lovely very professional review Mm -hmm. uh those are just the first two paragraphs of it he gave ants a three and a half okay which is cool and now i have to Um, remember which one is ants and which one is a bug's life (laughs) yeah ants has a more brown palette okay um a bug's life is more colorful and also i believe is disney okay um a Bug's Life, the review for which came out in uh, November 25th, 1998, about a month later, um, also has a review of 3.5. And I'm going to read you the first two paragraphs again. Okay. As ants struggle to gather morsels of food, a leaf falls and interrupts their procession. I'm lost, screams a worker in panic. Where's the line? Rescue workers quickly arrive. We're going around to the left. The harvest continues. This is nothing compared to the twig of 93, <laughs> an ant observes. Enjoying this, I enjoyed, too, the use of animation to visualize a world that could not be seen in live action and could not be created with special effects. Animation contains enormous promise for a new kind of storytelling, free from reality and gravity. But although the Japanese have exploited that freedom, too many American feature cartoons followed the Disney formula of plucky young heroes and heroines and comic comic sidekicks. Um, So again, very complimentary review. Yeah, uh, kind of. Roger Ebert parallels. likes ants, I think. Yeah, it's not sounds ants like with a Z, just general ants. <laughs> yeah, ants the the creature, the animal, the bug. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I then want. I then also took it upon myself to kind of look at uh, reviews on Rotten Tomatoes from uh, two thousand were the earliest reviews I could find mm-hmm. for a Bug's Life and also for ants. Um, so maybe I could read you a couple of those. Okay. And we could see how it goes. Um, so it looks like Harvey S. Carton does not like it. Uh, said, A Bug's Life has dialogue that will tire adults who were intellectually challenged by the colloquian water boy. Okay. Um... Another one just gets straight to it and says, even more fun than ants. <laughs> Nine out of ten. I'm more familiar with A Bug's Life than ants, but yeah, it seems like um, both are certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah. ants has a slightly higher rating at 94%, and A Bug's Life has 92%. But the yeah. audience score is only 73%. Mm-hmm. For ants or for Bugs Life? A Bugs Life, I've not looked at the ants page by itself. Mm -hmm. I think these are both, like, really good movies as far as, like, early, like, 3D digital animation. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. Ants has a 92% also... Um, tomato mm-hmm. meter, but a fifty-two uh-huh. percent audience score. 
So audiences don't like it as much. I'm assuming because it's got a harsher visual style. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, looking at it, I don't like the visuals as much. Yeah. Well, you know, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> a definitive... A, a definitive uh, review. Yeah. I don't like the visual style as much says someone or I th- other. I think... Um, they went with a similar way of that era of animation, like with Toy Story, of doing yeah. the plasticky faces you can get away with when your characters yeah. actually have faces made of plastic. Uh-huh. The bugs, they're, you know, insects, they have a hard exoskeleton. <laughs> we don't expect this, even though they're very highly humanized, we don't expect the oh, same God. kind of facial realism from them as we do as human beings oh my god you know you saying that that makes a lot of sense and it also makes me want to look at reviews for like monsters inc Mm -hmm. so i think we should do that next time yeah next next week or next time uh we'll probably be recording before next week but probably the next episode will go up a week from when this one airs yeah um let's uh let's look at some stuff for monsters inc and uh maybe see if cheyenne has anything to say or has any movie she wants to look at i'll think of a uh, hot take about monsters inc about its uh deeper meanings in uh the world and how it's affected me as a human growing up and i'll think about how silly mike wazowski is <laughs> and his big goofy eyeball and sexy snake girlfriend mike wazowski <laughs> mike wazowski my favorite thing about um, mike wazowski is his name my favorite thing about him is his big uh, eyeball and that he finds that joy is more powerful than fear and teaches it to the world. Wow. Wow. Impactful. Hot take number one. Um, Hot take well, everyone, number one, a tear rolls down my cheek. <laughs> a tear rolls down Mike Wazowski's whole face from his giant eyeball. <laughs> Into his mouth. Um, <laughs> And then he's hydrated for the whole week. <laughs> um, well, everyone, I think that'll do it for today's episode. So thank you for joining myself and Caroline on this journey through uh, nostalgia. Uh, as always, if you want to reach out to us with uh, any particular older, maybe uh, news articles that you want us to take a look at and talk about, feel free to send those to NOSTFactor at gmail.com. Um, Caroline, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I just want to wish everyone well. Um, I know it's a rough time, um, but I will get through it, you know? And as always, guys, check out your days.